0: Well, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 9 this morning. We're continuing to work our way through the book of Acts. Well, needless to say, it's great to be home. We had a gr- wonderful trip, and you'll hear more about it February 16th. Kelly and Leah are still, well, as far as we know, they made it to the Philippines. We, there's quite a story of us all leaving India and coming back that I won't take the time to share with you now, but uh, as far as I know, they're in India. The rest of us are home, the uh, Arnolds and Hoopers and myself, and uh, it was just great to be with members of our church, this being my second time in India, and uh, I think we're all still kind of getting over the jet lag. I'm kind of guessing, I don't know where they are, but I think my body is somewhere just a little east of uh, the East Coast. Uh, Still kind of catching up to me, but uh, if you've ever traveled like that, it it takes a while to kind of get back in your normal routine of sleeping. So anyway, my prayers will probably be a little shorter this morning, so I don't fall asleep during them, but I did learn a real key word while I was in um, India, one that opened up all kinds of opportunities for ministry for me personally, and that is the word foos, like if you're a car guy, chip foos, like F. F-O-O-S-E, foos, and then say, instead of saying thief with an F at the end, take the F away. So foos, thief. You know what that means? Wrestling in India. (laughs) And I use that a lot with those little kids, and they kind of looked at me like, you want to go at it, buddy? (laughs) Anyway, so that was fun. Had fun learning that word and working with the the kids and got to share with uh, pastors, but anyway, I won't go into the report now, that's on the 16th, so hard to not talk about it when you're just fresh off the plane, so to speak, but uh, anyway, one of the things Lisa and I did yesterday, we ran up to Wasco to see our kids and uh, saw our grandson, and you know how it is with your, when your grandparents, it's like, we want to see the grandchildren, the parents, you know, are they here? No, it doesn't matter, okay, let's see the grandchildren, anyway, all that to say, um, uh, our, our little grandson like your grandchildren as I'm sure you've experienced just in two weeks that kid looked like somebody put an air hose in him and just psh, he's bigger what happened it was almost like this miraculous growth that you know he looked like the uh, Midas guy that's got all the little rolls and everything but anyway he, uh, he's a healthy little boy and doing well but it's just amazing how quickly children grow almost like a miracle I want to talk to you this morning about miracles. This is not going to be a thorough study of all the miracles in the Bible. We don't have the time for that. But as we work our way through the book of Acts, this passage is a little shorter than uh, some that we've done in Acts, which is probably good for this particular Sunday. But I wanted you to be thinking about things outside the box. My guess would be for most of us, if not all of us, the thought of a miracle actually happening, actually witnessing, let's say, a physical miracle of some kind, might freak us out a little bit. I mean, that's not part of our normal experience. I've, I've, I haven't had a lot of conversations with any of you about that kind of thing. Not that you don't believe in it, but in our culture, in our denominational connections, in our background, that's typically not something we'd say, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. But you're going to watch a video later that will tell you miracles still occur today. I've heard many, many stories from our Mennonite brethren missionaries in different parts of the world, but you're going to hear one from a pastor in India, and he will share how God is using miracles even today to grow his church. So think about that. And I believe he can do miracles in and through our lives, maybe not the same as in India, but miracles miracles when it comes to how God changes our lives and makes us more like Jesus. Think about the kind of miracle you'd like to see in your life or the life of your family, the life of your community, your nation. And we're going to pray about that when we finish today. Father, thank you for the time you've given us this morning. Thank you for uh, this recent trip. I thank you for a church that supports these things, that sends us, that prays for us, that welcomes us home. And we look forward to sharing more in, in, in February. Thank you, Father, for the church worldwide. I thank you in particular for the church in India, and I pray for your divine strengthening and protection. We know that they are uh, in the top ten and have been the last couple of years of persecuted churches worldwide, worse than China. Father, I just thank you for the believers there. I thank you for the rapid growth of the church, something that only you could bring about. As the pressure is applied, it continues to multiply. So we give you praise for that. But we also pray for our own church, Father. Uh, sometimes when we talk about things like the miraculous, we may feel a little bit left out, like it's happening other places but not here. Not that we perhaps feel like you're letting us down, but we, we just want to, I guess we need your affirming encouragement that you're at work in and through us. And so, Lord, whatever you choose to do, we lay it at your feet. It's your church, and you're the one who chooses when and where to perform the miraculous. And so, Lord, we just want to have open hearts and minds to learn this morning from your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I studied this passage and thought about miracles of the whole and stories I've heard and and people I've talked to and so forth, I want to kind of break this into two main sections and talk about how miraculous growth often occurs, first of all, when God chooses to heal. When God chooses to heal. Now, we tend to think of physical healing and what ben, ben read earlier was a physical healing. What we're going to read about here is physical healings. But I've got to tell you, I've seen a lot of marriages healed. I've seen a lot of families healed. I've seen different groups of people healed. That's as powerful a thing sometimes as physical things. And God works in ways that people just go, wow, that, that couple should have never made it. But they did. How did they do that? Through the power of Jesus Christ. That family should have broken up years ago, but how'd they make it? Because they went to God and sought His power and strength, and He miraculously worked through forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation and so forth. You see, God is still performing miracles, but we can't always say they've got to be the same way we see in the book of Acts. And yet, from the early church we learn that, and from the worldwide church, we learn that God is still doing the miraculous however He chooses to do But miraculous growth often occurs when God chooses to heal. It's not a guarantee, but it often is part of that that process. Verses 32 to 35. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter, said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him, and turned to the Lord. Lydda was about twenty-five miles west of Jerusalem, near the Mediterranean Sea, and Sharon was is actually a fertile valley, uh, about ten miles wide and about fifty miles long, where they where th- this took place. The word or the town Lydda is now called Lod, L O D, and it's just north of Israel's international airport, Tel Aviv. Uh, Many of you have been there as you have gone on trips to Israel, and Lisa and I are hoping to go this fall with her sister and brother-in-law and fly into Tel Aviv near Laud or Lida, where this miracle took place. Following Paul's conversion that we read about several weeks ago in chapter 9, a time of peace came to the church up to that time, Paul, the, the bad guy, was putting the church under a lot of pressure, and so they probably didn't feel the freedom to maybe come and go quite as much. But once he converted, as we learned at the end of chapter 9, the church enjoyed a time of peace and a time to perhaps get out and move around, and Peter was part of that movement. So Peter goes to the, around to the churches, ends up at Lydda, and in coming there, he comes up, upon this man, Aeneas, He felt that he had the authority as an apostle to proclaim Jesus' healing, which resulted then in a mass conversion in that area. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But in this case, God chose to do that. As an apostle, Peter followed the pattern Jesus modeled in healing people. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, we see another incident or example of how Jesus chose to do that. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? In other words, he thinks he's God. Well, he was, but anyway, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what, had been, what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I believe that God still chooses to heal people today, physically, emotionally, relationally, etc., but he does it for his glory, not necessarily for our relief. This is not a God who we just say, well, Lord, I'd like a healing today and here's my order. And then he bows to what we want. No, it's always for his glory. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says it this way. Isaiah 42 verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And then just a few pages over in Isaiah 48 verse 11 Isaiah writes it this way. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Paul reminds us as an apostle that God... At times, will heal, and we certainly saw God working through Paul in miraculous ways, physically speaking. But we also saw that God's grace was sufficient for Paul when God chose not to heal Paul. And keep in mind that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, did not heal everybody he came across. There were more sick and lame and dead people around than Jesus chose to heal but it was always done with a purpose, and the purpose was to bring glory to God and draw people to himself. That is the purpose of healings of any kind, that God wants to be glorified as he does that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ, speaking of himself, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows, was caught up to this paradise and heard inexpressible things. Things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I have pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God still chooses to heal today, but he does it for his glory and for his honor Not ours. He doesn't serve us; we serve him. And yet, we can come to him in prayer and say, "Lord, I I need some real help here, physically, or emotionally, or relationally, or so on and so forth." And God works, and God is always at work to will and to work for His good pleasure. And at times, when He chooses to do that, miraculous growth occurs, as we see in the Book of Acts. Secondly. Miraculous growth occurs when God's people pray. When God's people pray. Verses 36 through 43. In Joppa, which is now modern-day Jaffa, with two Fs, Jaffa instead of Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed, which was typical in that day, and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas or Tabitha had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. With the death of Tabitha, Dorcas, the believers sought out Peter, who was still in Lydda. It wasn't that far away. In fact, it was about 12 miles over towards the Mediterranean Sea. Joppa or Jaffa is on the coast. Peter arrived and and the believers started telling him about Tabitha or or Dorcas and her legacy. It talked about that in verse 36 of providing clothing for others. One of the things we got to experience as a team was how the Baraka Ministries, which Pastor Kieran and his father head up. And that Baraka Ministries, the orphanage is part of that. They're in the process of of building a school, which we'll share more about that uh, on the 16th. They also have 72 churches in that area, the state of Andhra Pradesh, that have been planted over the course of about 10 years with over 7,000 believers In those churches, I had the privilege of speaking to many of those pastors. On Wednesday of last week, I think it was. You kind of lose track of time when you (laughs) go places like that. But anyway, uh, we we saw, you know, we saw God at work there in in some unique ways. So one of the things that they do as as a ministry is they go to, they they have in in um, uh, in that culture, a lot of widows and orphans. Now, we, we'd say, well, we have widows here too. Well, but we have social security. We have more safety nets for people to be able to land in, to be cared for. India has none of that that I'm aware of. So who cares for these people? The church does. And one of the ways they care for them is they give them clothing once a year. They give them sodis These are the ladies will probably wear their version of that uh, that they picked up when we report on the 16th. And many of you have those if you've been there before. And so we were able to witness that. And they do that in the name of Jesus. They care for the widows. Obviously, they care for the orphans. There's almost 200 of them in the orphanage right now between boys and girls. And so it's a very tangible ministry that they have there. I guess the question that occurred to me, though, as I was studying this, as as the church, in a sense... Talked about Tabitha or Dorcas and what she was known for, it raised a question in my mind What are you going to be known for when you die? What is Shafter Mennonite Brethren Church known for in the community? And are we known for the kind of things that people would say, man, that's from God? Because if we're not, we're not making a difference. God works miraculously. And God wants to work in and through us in ways, perhaps miraculously. It may not be physical healing. Maybe He chooses to do that. But He wants to demonstrate through your life personally and our life collectively that He is powerful and He's loving and He's graceful. And how does He do that? By our yielding ourselves to Him and His will and saying, Lord, You do whatever You choose to do in and through my life and make Yourself look good because it's not about me and it's not about us. It's all about Him. That's God's glory, not ours. Tabitha got that. She got that. And the good things that she did were motivated out of her love for Jesus Christ. So Peter was confronted with the condition of Tabitha. She's dead. So he went to prayer. And he commanded her to get up, which she did. This miracle then resulted in a great reunion among the believers and a growth of the church there in Joppa. Now you might be thinking, boy, that story sounds really familiar. Well, you may have read one very similarly in First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 17, about Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to him, she said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Because this was a special son that he promised her. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. He prayed. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down to the room and to the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Luke chapter 7, we see yet another miracle that Jesus brought about to bring glory to himself and to draw people to himself, starting in verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Miraculous growth often occurs when God chooses to heal, however he chooses to do that. Miraculous growth also occurs at times when God's people pray. Pray from their heart, crying out to the Lord for whatever is on their heart. Acts reveals a pattern of miracles and growth based on Jesus as well as a commitment to prayer. We see that right from the beginning in Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 22. It says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Why did Jesus do miracles? To give a very clear sign that he was more than a man. He was God himself. And to draw people to himself so that they would have their ultimate need met, their greatest need met, which is spiritual. People can live a very healthy, long, fulfilled life, die and go to hell. That's not good. That's not good at all. The whole point of Jesus' coming was to give us salvation through faith in Him. And He will choose at times to use miraculous things to draw people to Himself. And He still does it today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, They, speaking of these new believers, devoted themselves. That phrase means they got down to business. They made it a high priority in their lives to the apostles' teaching or to doctrine or Bible study. And to fellowship, being with other believers, to the breaking of bread, which is probably worship, a combination of eating together as well as the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They meant business. They cried out to God because they knew apart from God, there was nothing at all they could accomplish. It's not by might or power or by anything we might come up with ourselves, but it's by God's Spirit that eternal things are accomplished in and through His people, the church, And prayer is a key part of that. You may have heard by now that we had some delays getting home. I think it took us about three days to travel, two days. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, to say we were tired when we got home is an understatement. We (laughs) We were exhausted. One of the delays we had was from Delhi to San Francisco. We had, when we left on the 7th, we went from Los Angeles to San Francisco to Delhi to Vijawada, which is just north of the orphanage. They picked us up, and we got to LAX in two hours. There's a miracle right there, right? Anyway, so everything was fine, and then it's time to come home. Well, we, we went to Vijawada, got back on the plane. It was delayed. And delayed, and delayed, and delayed. And we finally got on the plane, got to Delhi, and we had to do, you could, some of you remember the old O.J. Simpson ads, Hertz Rent-A-Car, he's jumping luggage. That was our team trying to get to our connection to, from Delhi to San Francisco. We made it on the plane. Oh, thank you, Lord. And we sat on the plane for six hours, never left the ground. They unloaded us into buses, we had to go back through immigration, and we're thinking, oh, (laughs) talk about crying out to Lord, we just wanted to cry. But anyway, so we finally, next day or morning, you kind of lose track of time on those type of trips. We get back on, we get another flight, and this one's from Delhi to Newark, New Jersey, which was kind of cool, because as we came in, I could see the skyline of New York City, that was pretty fun. Anyway. Come to find out, though, that that plane that we had sat on for six hours, when they got it ready to go again the next day, had mechanical problems. Now, you could say, oh, it's coincidence. I'd say, no, that's a miracle. I think God used that fog to say, you're not going anywhere. Because you might get off the ground, but you might land much harder than you ever planned. And so God, in his sovereignty and his protection... Just grounded that thing, and quite a few other flights. I had an opportunity to talk to Pastor Kieran Paul, who's just a remarkable leader in India, and I told him what I was preaching, and I said, Kieran, can you give me a couple of stories from the churches here? Tell me what's happening, what you see. Here's the first thing he told me. The church in India will not grow and does not grow Unless God performs miracles. I've got a little interview I want to show you that Kelly happened to tape as we were talking, so watch the video. Uh,
1: uh, miracles happening. Oh. Because, uh, like for an example, mm-hmm. uh, in Kamul, mm-hmm. the village church where we stopped that day while returning, mm-hmm. I went inside the church and I returned mm-hmm. saying that, oh, not all the people are here, so let us read on mm-hmm. Sunday, mm-hmm. giving the service mm-hmm. So in that church, the one of mm-hmm. the women, and she is the wife of the headman of that village. Mm-hmm. And they are non-Christian. mm-hmm. non-Christians. They are non-Christians. Mm-hmm. They are not Christians. Mm-hmm. So they are non-Christians. And uh, she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And the doctors gave her maybe six months time. Mm-hmm. But amazingly, in the very beginning days of my father's ministry in those areas, mm-hmm. uh, in the year 1993 or 94 mm-hmm. uh, he went and prayed mm-hmm. and she and all the family was expecting her to die in the next 6 months mm-hmm. but she just kept on going for the next 10 years
0: mm-hmm.
1: so mm-hmm. after one year mm-hmm. they realized that the Lord has helped us uh, mm-hmm. through our prayers and also helped her mm-hmm. in getting healed mm-hmm. so after like two years or three years they went to the hospital they got gone through the scrutiny Mm -hmm. the tests and the doctor said who told you that you had cancer? Mm -hmm. who is the doctor who said that uh, you are going to die in six months where are the test reports? and then they saw the test reports and they all were positive, positive, positive Mm -hmm. but now they are all negative Mm -hmm. so they said can you give those reports back to us so that we can give you some money and compensate for what we have done it's a mistake (laughs) (laughs) Not only, not only that, that lady. Uh-huh. There is another church where we have what, the name of that village is Gopuanipari. Okay. And the elder of the church name is Subbarav. Uh-huh. And he came into the church because he couldn't sleep. And the doctor said he's having some terminal disease uh-huh. and they were unable to find what the problem was. Uh-huh. And he came to the main church in Machili Patnamans. He and only thing we said to him was fast and pray. and so every day we used to sit with that family Mm -hmm. and pray with them Mm -hmm. and amazingly after seven days or so after one week's time he started sleeping in the church and um, he said okay let me go home and try Mm -hmm. so he went back home that night he slept well he had no body pains nothing and he went back to the hospital and the doctor said you're perfectly all right yeah and yeah. ever since he gave his life to the Lord, his wife gave his life to the Lord, his daughter gave his life to the Lord, ah. she got married, now she has a baby I think, mm-hmm. Dhan is her name, and he has a son, he gave his life to the Lord, and I baptized this young, younger generation. Mm-hmm. And from the same village there was a man, I don't want to say the name, mm-hmm. but he was diagnosed of HIV, mm-hmm. and he was HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And he came to the church, and he told me that he was with tuberculosis because of which his mm-hmm. family deserted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then as I was sitting and praying with him one night, on the second night, the Lord revealed me mm-hmm. that he was with a child. Mm-hmm. So I started praying and I asked him, hey, tell me the truth. You are mm-hmm. not with tuberculosis, but mm-hmm. something serious. And he started crying and saying, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, whole mm-hmm. family rejected me mm-hmm. because of that uh, virus okay. in my body. I thought you two would reject me, so I did mm-hmm. not tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I just want to die here. When I die, let my family know Mm-hmm. so that they can come and take me home. Mm-hmm. So, I said, don't worry, the Lord can do miracles. Mm-hmm. And after uh, uh, maybe like one month or so, he stayed in the church. But we realized that he's putting on weight. Mm-hmm. Until then, he was losing weight, mm-hmm. coughing, and mm-hmm. his chubur, he, he really was attacked with tuberculosis mm-hmm. because he lost his immunity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. then, uh, when he realized that he stopped coughing, mm-hmm. uh, no medicine. It's all prayer. Mm -hmm. It's all prayer. No medicine. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, go get your test done for HIV. So I went to the lab and got his test done and he says, negative. And he was like, Pastor, it's Mm -hmm. negative. And I said, okay, then speak to the doctor. And the doctor said, I'll pay you 10,000 rupees if you can give back the the previous reports because it will spoil our reputation. (laughs) How did this happen? (laughs) And later he got married and he has two children. Two children. All fine. No kid is affected. And he's fine.
0: Is God still doing the miraculous? You bet he is. All over the world. I've talked to many of our missionaries that work in Muslim countries and they would say God works primarily through dreams and visions there I've heard so many testimonies of Muslims who have come to Christ and why does he choose to use dreams and visions because that's part of Muslim theology so he works his way into their theology and their vision is always of Jesus and then they come to Christ God is still doing miracles today God uses miracles to demonstrate his power his love, his provision, but most of all, Jesus. Because our greatest need is not physical. Our greatest need is spiritual. We need Jesus. And the world needs Jesus. So, the question, I guess, really, is what about miracles today in a church like Chapter Mennonite Brethren Church? What about it? I guess the affirmative, the yes would be God would choose to do whatever he wants to do in our midst to spread the gospel and to encourage the church. That's the main reason. To spread the gospel and to encourage the church. Because it's about his glory, not our convenience or comfort. It's about his glory. So as he chooses to do what he does, it's to build up the church and to spread the gospel. On the negative side would be Not by our coercion, God doesn't promise to fix everything in our lives, nor did Jesus heal everyone, as we already said, but he also wants to remind us that our ultimate hope is in heaven. That this world, yes, he may choose to heal people like Pastor Kieran shared, and those are amazing stories. God brought this young man back from life, Aeneas was healed and so forth, but eventually they all died because this world is not eternal the next world we go to is the eternal one and so Jesus will do miraculous things but he always wants to keep our minds and our hearts focused on heaven it's been almost we're going on 13 years now that we lost my dad after a heart surgery did we pray for healing? like crazy was he healed? physically no is he healed? more than ever he is more alive than ever with Jesus right now so ultimately healing will come to all of us it may or may not be in this life but as God chooses to work miraculously at times he's going to do it for his glory to encourage the church and to spread the gospel so I say let's pray like crazy let's ask God to do what only he can do as he chooses to do to spread the gospel I encourage us then to pray for healing for our ministries, for our community, for our nation. In our, in my newsletter article this next month, I'll be sharing a resource I came upon at the end of December. It's called Pray for America Bible. This is an election year. You probably knew that already. And if we need prayer, it's this year. Prayer that God would just see us through all of the things that that our nation is facing right now. So this Bible is, I'm not going to go into detail now, but I'll share more in my newsletter article. Great resource to know how to pray for our nation, but also read the scriptures at the same time. Praying for the world, world missions. One of the things that I've started doing on Thursdays, I don't say this to brag, I'm just saying, here's just a kind of thinking outside the box of maybe how to pray. Maybe it'll spark an idea in your mind individually or as a family or corporately. Uh, Usually on Thursday afternoons, uh, when everybody's gone, so it's maybe 5, 5.30, I come into the sanctuary, and I will literally walk around and just touch all the pews. Now, you might say, that's kind of weird. Well, (laughs) weird or not, what's going through my mind is, Lord, just as you have touched my life, just as you have touched the life of our church family and continue to do so, would you... Fill these pews with people and touch them. And so it's just a symbolic way. For, it's kind of like praying your neighborhood or walking in the community. Different groups do that. Maybe you've done that kind of thing for more for, at times. But for whatever reason, for me, that just has become a habit that I've started to practice. And I missed last Thursday because I was somewhere over the Atlantic. But in my mind, I was thinking about it. And uh, it's just an idea. Maybe that's something you'd want to do at some time. Just come to the church Anytime during the week, we're open. Come on through and just, maybe it's the pew you sit in, just say, Lord, whoever sits in this pew, would you touch their life? Would you draw people from the surrounding community to fill this place, people that need Jesus? And if you choose to use a miracle in my life or somebody else's, man, you do it for your glory and you fill this place because it's all about his kingdom. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about God's kingdom. I want to end our time by just giving you a few minutes to pray. You can do this silently or you can do it out loud. Doesn't bother me either way. I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes or so. And the theme is healing. So you think about people maybe that need a physical touch or an emotional touch or a relational touch, whatever it might be. I'd like to invite the uh, worship team if they'd come forward. And uh, I will close just a few minutes before noon so we can sing our closing song. And then we're going to enjoy lunch together. So let's pray together as a church, asking God to bring healing to people as he chooses and see miraculous growth as a result of that. Father, we thank you that you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And we confess when we read passages like this this morning, for most of us, we can't relate to uh, the physical healing that is uh, talked about here. Most of us even can't relate to what we hear from Pastor Karen. Uh, for, you, for whatever reason, Lord, you have chosen to perhaps not bring that type of healing In our midst, it doesn't mean that you can't or you won't, but uh, in in the way you work to build your kingdom, we know that you use different means in perhaps different places. It doesn't change who you are. It just means it's your prerogative. You're the head of the church. But Lord, as we think about healing, we realize there's so much more to it than physical. All of us will die even if we're healed. Death is still coming. But Lord, we pray for healing for people physically that need that. May it be for your glory. We pray for those who need healing relationally or emotionally, Lord. Areas that just hinder their ability in their, perhaps in their marriages, in their families, in their friendships. We pray, Father, that you would bring healing in our communities. Uh, We have such a rich heritage as a nation, and yet we realize a lot of those foundations are being uh, torn away. And so we pray for the church in America that we would live more and more in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would model what it means to live in a, a land like ours. Thank you, Father, for your ongoing work of grace in and through our lives. And we pray that whatever you choose to do in people's lives, that it would bring you glory, that it would lift Jesus high, and it would build your church. And Lord, we do ask as a church family that you would miraculously Fill this place with people, people who need Jesus. And may we be faithful before you to pray, to cry out to you so that you might be glorified and that Jesus might be lifted high. We give you praise and glory and honor, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let me invite you.